Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Well, if you qualify as a senior, seniors' concessions kicked in on January the 1st this year and a super downsizer deal is now available to get over 55s as well. Uh, a two-year Centrelink asset test exemption and low deeming rates now apply. So for some, this means you can, in theory, have $2 million in the bank, build your new mansion, and while waiting, collect the age, pension, and rent assistance. Uh, who said this isn't the lucky country? <laughs> well, we'll talk about that and other things besides to Nick Bruning's an independent financial advisor and joins us from uh, Western Australia. Nick, good evening. Welcome back. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you, Phil. And I don't think it's too late to say Happy New Year, is it? No, it's not too late to say Happy New Year. No, exactly. Well, it's been yeah. a very Happy New Year for me so far. So oh, like, very good. You know, I mean, I'm, uh, I've pointed the ship out of the harbour. We've gone yeah. through through the breakwater. <laughs> and so, so far, it's pretty good. <laughs> happy sailing. Oh, well, uh, let's hope the weather stays know. fair for you, Phil. Exactly. I haven't checked with mm. the sailors downstairs. but um, oh. and, Sorry, I should say below, but, you know, you yeah. Never, you never know. You never do. Anyway. Uh, now, this this deal for seniors doesn't sound yeah. too bad. What's up, what's Look, it's, uh, it's, it's an extraordinary sort of turn of events. Now, all of this legislation passed in the latter part of 2022. And look, there are various concessions that have been put in place, kind of recognising the way things are at the moment. So we've seen some big delays in building and construction. But uh, certainly, when you sort of cobble them all together, there's some amazing outcomes. So what we're talking about is if you decide to sell your family home and set aside the funds to either build or buy a new home. So you might decide that you're going to downsize and release some of the capital that's tied up in there. Um, If you set it aside in a bank account or wherever uh, and designate that that's the money you're going to be used, that you're going to use for your new home, again, whether it's being built or uh, an established home that you're still looking for, um, the money is exempt from Centrelink's asset test for up to two years. Now, um, it used to be one year and it's now been extended to two years. Now, that in itself is extraordinarily generous because we generally see the asset test as the nastiest of the two tests. There's an income test and an asset test and whichever test produces the lowest pension is the one that Centrelink latch onto. So being exempt from the asset test is pretty good to start with. But the other twist to it is to apply the very low deeming rates that are currently uh, applicable to financial investments to the money that's in or that's been in this account set aside for your new home. So in fact, the deeming rate is 0.25% on all the money you've set aside for your new place. So so you do the sums and you work out that um, you know two million bucks at naught point two five percent works out to be about five thousand dollars a year, and you, you multiply or divide that by twenty six to get the fortnightly income test, and bingo, um, a couple would qualify, believe it or not, for a full pension under the income test if they had no other income that was being assessed. And similarly, being asset test exempt, um, you know, you, you, you're home there too. Now the twist to all of this is mm-hmm. that if you're looking at a place. Um, you know, to buy or build and you need somewhere to live, um, you'd also qualify for rent assistance, uh, providing you're paying more than um, two, uh, what, $410, call it a, a fortnight, uh, then you'd be qualifying for rent assistance of 140 $3, shall we say. It's $142.80, but close enough for a couple uh, to $143. So, look, uh, it, it's just extraordinary. And let's not forget that the deeming rates are frozen until 
July next year. So we're talking July 2024. Um, and they are that the lower rate is 0.25 and the upper rate is 2.25%. Now, our savvy seniors have worked out that, crikey, I can get, you know, I think the average term deposit now is 3.76% and you can quite easily get 4.5% mm. in a bank um, by shopping around a bit, um, which means that um, the, the money you generate in rent um, would pretty much pay, sorry, in interest, would pretty much pay for the rent uh, and you, you potentially pick up rent assistance as well. So it, it's just extraordinary. Now, again, um, it's the money you've set aside for your new home um, that's exempt. So if there's money left over, over, so you, can you sell? You can sell the house and put yeah. it aside for your new home, can you? Yeah, yep. That's what we're talking about. So you park it in a bank account. So you sell the your... house, park yep. park the money in the bank. Yep. Go and rent somewhere. Yep. Look for your new place or build one. While you're doing that, you can get pretty much a full pension. Yep. Well, and if, you, if you've got no other assets and or minimal assets, other what are you going to what are you going to live on though? Well, the, your pension, obviously, obviously. Uh, and. And the income, see, that's the thing. The income that you actually generate from your investments uh, doesn't count. It's not counted under the income test. They use this deeming system. Yeah, look, there's a lot of sort of quirks in our system. How long can you build your new house for? Well, <laughs> well, I've um, plenty of our callers will tell tell you the story. They've been waiting, you know, 18 months, two years for the you place can't to be get finished build, off. You can't get builders. It's been, eight, it's been eight years now. It never answers the phone. <laughs> well, Phil, now, 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 you can't do that. You know, the rules are pretty strict. Though, that, having said that, if you've got a legitimate reason that the build or, the, or it's taking longer than two years and you can substantiate, and I'm pretty sure you can extend it by up to 12 months, so potentially three years. That's what the old rules certainly were when it was one year uh, by application. You could have it mm. extended to uh, to two years. So I'm not sure that that's been taken away. So potentially three. Mm. Gee, it's not a bad lurk, is it? Oh, I mean, well, should look, I describe it as a lurk? I don't know. Whether well, it... look, it's kind of a twist on the, on the rules, and you know, it's sort what, of a lurk, isn't it? It yeah. is, and what's you know, the world's third best retirement income system is arguably the world's most complicated, yeah. um, and it's just sort of in the complications of the rules that these things start to appear. That these little um, little wrinkles. Yeah, have. it's a wrinkle actually. It, isn't it, it is, it? and you know, I, I just think now I wonder if the government um, sort of kicking themselves that they put in this low deeming rate for such a long period of time, given that uh, interest rates. Well, why would the deeming rate be so low? Well, because it was done at a time when, when interest rates were very low. It's about, oh, of course. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Uh, you know, by giving the two-year kind of period, that the expectation, again, coming from the Reserve Bank, that rates were going to stay low until 2024, remember that, um, yeah. that's just been blown out of the water. And, uh, and you know, we're probably seeing, well, the, the National Australia Bank's talking about another three rate rises before, uh, before things settle down, so potentially getting up to uh, 4.1% on the overnight cash rate, mm. um, which means we'll be seeing deposit rates up, sort of getting towards that 5% figure. Pedro's on the line. G'day, Pedro. Oh, g'day. Um, what I've never understood is when the interest rates go up, mm-hmm. who gets the money? Is it the banks, the Reserve Bank, the government? What happens there? Well, the, 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 what you're paying in interest um, is basically going to a number of reasons. One, mainly bank profits, but also it's, it's used to repay the other loans. So what a bank effectively does is it buys the money from somewhere else. It might buy the money from you as a depositor, uh, add on a margin, and then sell it to your kids and grandkids as a loan. So there's a margin, let's call it 2% between what they pay for the money and what they sell it for. But the interest ultimately goes back to somebody. And about, um, well, I think about 60% of the the money that banks use to fund loans and stuff here in Australia comes from Australian depositors. And I think the figure is something like 40% is sourced from overseas. So in some respects, you've got overseas pension funds and overseas investors benefiting from the interest that your kids are paying on their loans. Mm.
Mm, yeah, we yeah. should have some Well, I mean, this is all comes back to the Reserve Bank raising the official cash rate, which flows through to uh, to interest rates generally, and that's all about trying to kill off inflation. And uh, while there'll be plenty of our listeners, Phil, that'll agree or disagree with that approach, um, it's really the only way they can su- suppress uh, consumption and get people to stop buying stuff um, and slow down the economy, because uh, what we're now starting to see is this inflation sort of being embedded in the system mm. and uh, the Reserve Bank's desperately trying to kill it off as quickly as they can because once it gets embedded, uh, you know, we start seeing pressures from wages, which we already are, and quite quite rightly so, um, but it just keeps spiralling upwards and, and that's what they want to stop. I'm a pensioner and I invest in baked beans a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, the no, thing is, Pedro, Pedro, if you've got a few bucks set aside, look on the bright side. This time last year, you were lucky to be getting 1% or 2% on your money. Now you can get 4.5% on your money. So in that respect, you're, uh, you're better off than you were this time last year. But I accept that if you don't have any money, um, it's still pretty tough. That said, Phil and Pedro, um, the pensioners actually don't too, do too badly because that's one of the few sources of income which is indexed to CPI and as the inflation rate goes up so does the pension and we saw a a $30 increase last September and I suspect that when the next payment comes through or the next increase comes through on the 20th of March that's going to be pretty decent as well because inflation still still onwards and upwards and um, and, and they're the ones that um, get the direct benefit. Hmm. Thanks Pedro, good on you, I understand your frustration. I mean in in, in true, that's right, I mean in summary it's uh, you, you, you are paying more to the bank, but the bank itself borrows money to lend you the money. So, yeah. so the bank itself, the bank is paying more for their money, and, ra- right. and round and round it goes. Yeah. And probably at the end of the day, someone is making more money. But well, internationally, interest rates have gone up as well. So <laughs> they you know, have. So and- somewhere, someone might be making some more money. But it's not as though it's just a direct gift to the bank. Is no, it? definitely not. And and Phil, the other point is that you know some economists are saying that what we're seeing now is a normalisation of where interest rates should have been probably six years ago. Um, and one of the issues is that because money's been so cheap for so long, um, it's artificially pumped up asset prices like shares and properties and stuff because it's been so cheap. It hasn't reflected the risks that are involved. So, And that's why some economists are saying, well, look, you know, these rates are going up, but don't think they're going to slip back down to 1% or 2%. They're no, probably going to stay where they are now and, um, you know, get used to it. Yeah, that's right. They're not probably they're not going back to where they were. That's probably right. Mm. Uh, Chris from Geelong has been waiting on. Hi, Chris. Uh, hi, Phil and Nick. And, and Phil, thank you so much for your wonderful show. You have amazing guests on and it's um, very informative and enjoyable. Pleasure. So thank you kindly. Pleasure, Chris. Um, uh, Nick, um, oh, most, what's happened with me, I've had to move down to Victoria to be with my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got pr- property up in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um I've got a bush block I've had since 1992. Yep. And, and a house um, a bit around 2011 was purchased um, that now has tenants in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting slammed by land tax each year. Yeah. Um, because, because I'm not living up there and the two properties combined are above the, the threshold. threshold. Yeah. But I'm also concerned about capital gains tax mm-hmm. um, in the future. Um, I'm hoping to move back there in uh, six or seven years when mm-hmm. the kids uh, leave school and what have you. But, um, yeah, I'm just uh, – I'm renting down in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all a bit tight. Um, I'm just 
what are your what's what are your thoughts on the so, land tax? Chris, can I? What? Well, land tax Sorry. unfortunately is is one of those things. Mm. that's very difficult to avoid. I mean, unless you move back in, and I think you then get the exemption and stuff. But I mean, you yeah. know, life dishes up things that we need to do, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily fit in with what's financially sure. the best. Chris, um, can I ask what your age is? Uh, mid fifties. Mid fifties. Okay. So, just on the capital gains tax side of things, because I mean that that's going to be a, a have an impact at some point when you decide to sell the property. Um, there is a, a general exemption of up to I think it's six years that if you move out of your primary dwelling, um, uh, you can continue the capital gains tax exemption for up to six years, uh, and then you could essentially move back in and then you wouldn't sort of be copying capital gains tax on that six-year period. So you could look at that. Um, the other the other block, the bush block, if you did decide to sell that, um, bear in mind that the, the capital gains tax is basically um, you, you're taxed at your normal marginal rate of tax on half the income or half the profit, I should say, from the sale of the property. So it's not, you know, not the whole lot that's subject to tax and it does depend on your marginal income tax rate. So a bit of timing sometimes a bit is clever too, that if you perhaps sell the property when you've retired or something, then you don't, you, you've got no other income, then the tax is reduced. And the other th- reason I asked your age is that we often use um, superannuation these days as a, a, as a tax deduction to reduce or offset capital gains tax. And bearing in mind that uh, most of us can put in up to $27,500 a year uh, and claim that as a tax deduction. If you don't have any uh, compulsory employer super, then um, you've got the whole 27500 there. And there's some other little tricks where you can actually use previous years if you haven't used them and you've got um, you know less than half a million in super, then you can also increase that amount. So there's a couple of things to think about. But look, at, at the end of the day, it, it, some of these things, as I say, are constrained by uh, life issues that um, yeah. you, know, you, you can't get out of. Um, and unfortunately, um, the impost of land tax is, is probably one of yeah, those. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't avoid that really. Um, do, just getting back, you said if I'm away from the house for six mm. years, did you say? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be away from it for longer than that. Um, then, so, then I'm pretty sure you lose that concession, mate. So, right, right, yeah, okay. yeah. But right, the, por- hey, the portion, the portion that you lived in it, well, the portion okay. you lived in it, the, the period of time that you lived in it, actually was your primary dwelling. That that'll come off it. So you don't pay capital gains tax yeah. on from the price that you paid for it originally. Um, you will certainly get some concessions for the fact that you've lived in it for a period. Yeah, okay, a very short time now. Yeah, all right. Thank okay. you so Thanks. much. Thanks. Um, Thanks. Take- Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. Bye. Monica's in Dubbo. Hi, Mon. Oh, good day. How are you going? Pretty well. Yeah, good. Um, I just have a couple of inquiries. Yeah. I have a child that entitles me to a disability carer's thing because mm-hmm. she has a disability. Yep, yep. Um, now, I owned a house before I met my husband. I It became a rental uh, investment property, basically, when I moved into to legitimately live with my husband. So I had that capital gains thing. I didn't go on the deed of the new house when we bought it. My husband bought it only. So I got that six years. I'm just asking a question. When I sold it, because my family Mm. situation changed, Mm, they deemed me to be earning 3% on their interest. I could not get 3% interest. And they deemed me until Mm. I bought another house, because that was to go towards our new house, which we bought last year. And yeah. so we've sold two houses to build one house, or you know, to make one house. Yeah. And so we've got no super left. Like one of those houses was, was going to be at our, our super, and I'm in my fifties, and my husband's almost in his sixties. Mm. Now, are you saying that 025 percent for aged people? Is that for people that are like me on a small family tax 
payment. Uh, yeah. So are you still? Uh, yeah. So, so these, we only these, have one house now, and, yeah, and we okay. don't have much money in the bank. Okay. So all right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Monica. Yeah. So yeah, essentially, what you've got is your your primary dwelling that you live in is, is exempt from Centrelink's means testing. So, presuming that um, you yeah. and your husband's income and assets allow you to claim, um, but it is disability support pension for your, your your child, isn't it? Or for my daughter, yeah, because so she's eleven. Okay, so all right. I'm caring for her, so I can yeah. no longer foot work all the time. I'm only working a tiny bit. Sure, right. Yeah. So you're okay. getting, are you getting a care payment? Is that what you're receiving? About a hundred dollars a fortnight. Yeah. Okay, all right. So that's that's yeah. the care allowance, which is the uh, virtually non-means tested benefit, and yeah. and that's I should yeah. point out that's gone up to 144.80 a fortnight for people um, that qualify yeah, no, I'm very, for that. Yeah, I'm very grateful. Yeah, yeah but they yeah, no, me on that three hundred thousand before I, we bought this family home. Yeah. But yeah. I was getting three percent. I could not. Oh, okay, no, no, I get that. So interest rates were so low. Yeah, but they and that's... said, "Oh no, well, you should be getting." Yeah, okay, mind you, we got it. Yeah, yeah. we, get that. Get, well, we, get, we got it. Yeah, that, that was one of the problems with the deeming system, uh, Monica. Is that uh, you're quite right? For many years, you could actually get deeming accounts which perfectly matched the deeming rates. Now, in the mid mid two thousands, um, the the government of the day decided to uh, keep that higher deeming rate in place, even though interest rates were dropping. And all of a sudden, you ended up with a deeming rate much lower than you could get in the bank account, which is exactly what you're describing. Uh, and it, that was the case until basically this time last year. When all of a sudden, when they locked in those lower deeming rates, which, as I said, 0.25% and 2.25% uh, until July next year. But, you know, to their surprise, I'm sure, uh, the actual prevailing interest rates rocketed up. So now for the first time in, you know, a decade or so, uh, seniors and anyone that qualifies for a Centrelink benefit is ahead uh, of the system if they've got money in a bank account because they're going to get money, uh, an interest rate that's higher than the deeming rate. Mm. And yeah. just another quick question. Mm. Um, I've got a problem. It's they don't class it as robo debt, but they called it. A, can I talk to someone personally after the thing? Because I'm not satisfied. When I went to the tribunal, I think I got ripped off really badly. So now I'm on a yeah, right. Well, the, there is a process. Um, if you've got a dispute with with centre, did you go to the AAT, the administrative? Tribunal, appeal? I did. But because right. I had that money after selling my house, and I said, "Well, that's not really my money." That mm. did you go to the AAT though, Monica? I did. You did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think I'm pretty sure that that's the end of the road in terms of appeals and stuff. Um, once the AAT has made right. a decision, it's kind of binding. So, look, there may be some remedies through the court and through your local member of parliament, but um, generally the process is you complain to Centrelink. There's a Centrelink officer that reviews it, then it goes outside of that, and then ultimately it's the AAT mm. um, which makes the decision on it. So, I'm sorry for it. I'm sorry yeah. about that. Monica, but um, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mon. Uh, Jamie in Diamond Creek. G'day, Jamie. Yeah, how you going? Not bad. Now, here's my question. Mm. Um, we've got, uh, Australia's got a trillion dollar debt. Mm-hmm. America's got a multi-trillion dollar debt. Mm-hmm. Most other countries have got billions and trillions of dollars of debt. Who do they owe it all to? Um, each other is probably it. Um, look, it's a it's a really good point because you know as we rack up these things, particularly through COVID, it was one of the great concerns about Australia's level of indebtedness. And um, very interestingly, when um, when all this stuff started blowing up, um, there's a figure that's used which is a, a called net debt to GDP, and it's a bit like how much do you owe on your house. So um, when we went into the uh, the pandemic, I think our 
net debt to GDP was in the low 20s or something like that. Now, by comparison, um, Europe was at 80 percent. Uh, which is just extraordinary. So there we are in the low 20s and they were in their 80s. And the Yanks, I think, were in the 90s percent to net debt to GDP. Um, as it's turned out, uh, they've gone over that. I think they're basically, I guess, technically insolvent, but um, they owe more than um, than GDP generates. And um, and similarly, the the European Union is sitting at around about 95% or something, something extraordinary like that. Mm-hmm. Australia, I think, ended up at about 26. So what that means is that we pay a much lower rate of interest because our credit rating is still AAA than perhaps we would pay if we had that higher GDP figure. So, I mean, yes, we owe it to each other, but at the end of the day, um, it'll have to be repaid. Uh, the good news for us is that we're doing it at a relatively low rate of interest. Yeah, okay. So mm. so we've got, a, we've got a fairly good credit rating against all the others. Yep. Why can't we use the money that, we've, that we don't or the difference that we don't owe mm. to build stuff, infrastructure. Oh, well, that, that, work. <laughs> well, that's a good, it's a good question, yeah. Jamie. And that was a, it's a question that was asked a lot when interest yep. rates were really low. I mean, yeah. people said, now's the time, go and build all the ports and roads and highways that you can. Well, look, it also has an impact on the economy generally. So if you've got the government spending all the money, then they'll take up the available labour and supply, so you'll end up with inflation. So you've got to be a bit careful about stimulating things too much. But that's what you find when when things are slowing down and perhaps we move into recession. That's often when you see some of the the Commonwealth building programs really crank up to keep the construction sector employed and, and others as well. So... Uh, that, that's kind of how the game's played. It's a question of um, the or government even, stepping in. Or even mm. give the pensioners and, and the unemployed and people on on um, benefits, you know, um, yeah. sickness benefits and that sort of stuff. Oh. Give them a raise. Not, well, not, I... just, not, not just the... the um, 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 annual, you know, like CPI, yeah. Mm. Oh, look, mm. I, I don't. You, you won't get too many people. Well, you'll get some people arguing against lifting JobSeeker, but I'm I'm in the camp that thinks that's uh, that's gone well out of whack now compared to uh, some of the other government benefits. Mm. Fair enough. Thanks, Jamie. It's uh, it's a question that gets raised mm. a lot, probably less so now, I guess. Than uh, but Australia's debt level is relatively okay. Uh, <laughs> I remember yeah. there was a famous joke years ago, wasn't there? Uh, Nick about Brazil when remember when Brazil owned uh, you know eighteen Cathumpian million yeah, billion yeah. trillion dollars to the World yeah. Bank, and one I remember a Brazilian senator saying, "When you owe that much to the World Bank, uh, who owns the World Bank?" Yeah, that's right. Was <laughs> 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 the actual thing? If you end up owing that much, <laughs> the bank you, you know you own the bank, not the other way around. That's right. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, who's, who's is the problem? But mm. like, uh, what's the capital of Brazil? Right. About a dollar. <laughs> About a dollar. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And I yes, I but I mean it's a legitimate question. I think a lot of people oh, ask look, this. But I mean, I, I suppose that one of the one of the answers is that if the economies around the world continue to grow, you can, in a sense, outgrow your debt, can't you? You can. And that's one of the benefits, believe it or not, of inflation. You inflate your way out of a problem. So, mm. you know, you think of someone that bought a house 40 years ago and probably paid $10,000 for it. Um, you know, today that $10,000 is nothing thanks mm. to inflation. So, um, in fact, you know, there were some economists theorising that that would be the way the Yanks would get out of their indebtedness to China would be to inflate their way out of a problem. So, yeah. anyway. Uh, Tony from Maruchidor. Sorry, Tony, you've been waiting on there. That's fine. Um, I thought about having an oppositional view to to what the 
government's doing with being able to sell your house, etc. But I just thought maybe I'd ask a sensible mm. question. Mm. Look, what is a what is a deeming rate? I don't understand that at all. Sure, that's a great question. So rather than settling, complicate things by looking at the actual income generated from your investments, they gather all of your financial investments together. So we're talking about things like bank accounts, shares, uh, superannuation if you're over pension age, account-based pensions if you're over pension age, uh, gifts that you've uh, given away to people, bullion, uh, you know, those gold bars you've got buried under the bed and cold hard cash. If you like, it goes into one one big pot and Centrelink apply a notional rate of interest to that money. So depending on whether you're a single or a couple, um, the first 56400 if you're a single is deemed to be earning 0.25% per annum. That's it. Everything above that is deemed to be earning 2.25%. If you're a member of a couple, the deeming rate is 0.25% for the first 93600 and then over and above that, 2.25%. So, you know, it's it's quite low relative to what you can actually get on your money these days. And if you're, you know, fortunate enough to be in a, a bank account that's paying, as I said, 4.5%, then you're well and truly beating the system. Um, the issue was that when... Interest rates were 1% and the deeming rate was 2.25. Um, people were very much behind the eight ball. If they wanted to take a, a completely safe uh, investment strategy, which you know a lot of seniors do, they're not interested in uh, getting involved in, in share markets and things like that. So, so there you go, Tony. That's how the deeming system operates. And it only applies right, for you. Centrelink benefits, okay? So it's not applicable to anything else other than Centrelink. Yep, thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. Good on you. Peter from Childers. G'day, Peter. Yeah, g'day, Phil and uh, Nick. Um, great programs, Phil and Nick. This subject is uh, exactly what I'm after tonight. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, I'm currently um, 63. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on a, a, a job seeker pension at the moment, and um, I'm looking at selling my or my house is on the market, and uh, I'm looking at moving interstate and establishing interstate. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern is that. I'm not. Sh- my intention is to buy when I move into state. Yep. However, I, I'm not 100 percent sure whether I'll be able to actually buy. Okay. Now, my concern is um, with this two-year low deeming rate. Um, I'd say at the 20-month mark, I realise that I just can't buy, mm-hmm. and I've got and I've got to then uh, use that money to continue renting or something like that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you can certainly look at is to uh, place that money into um, – but hang on a sec. You're on JobSeeker, I think, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so this this uh, concession doesn't apply to that, I don't think. It's only for age pensioners, my friend. Oh, uh, okay, because it's yeah. a JobSeeker uh, pension yeah. card that I've got. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so JobSeeker is an allowance. It's not a, a pension per se. However, there is, a, there is another trick you can try, Peter, and that is that – if you're under age, pension age, money held in superannuation accumulation is exempt from Centrelink's means testing, okay? So what you could do is on the proceeds of the family home, you could stick that into a superannuation fund and being 63 years of age and if you're not working, then you could potentially take it out again if you needed it for, for buying a new property or something like that. So, uh, But that's only good until you actually reach age pension age. So once you get to age pension age, which in your case will be 67 years of age, the money that's in superannuation accumulation would be counted under the deeming system and depending on how much is left, it would affect your pension accordingly. So, so that might be a strategy to look at and you'd probably take a very conservative approach to your super investing. Um, in fact, you'd 
you might even put it into a cash type superannuation fund just so you know that the money's there um, if you do decide that you need it for a new home. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, okay. Just on the capital gains, mm. um, I've owned the property for about 11 years. Eight, eight years of that it was tenanted. Yeah. Um, and I'm so, looking at prob- probably making ninety to to $100,000. Profit. Variation from, uh, mm. yeah, from one purchase to when I sold it. Yeah, okay. So is that the gross profit or is it that, that that's half of it no, or is that the full amount? Okay, so you you can apportion it. So the period that, um, you know, it's like four elevenths, I think, or whatever becomes exempt and then the rest of it potentially becomes accessible for capital. And I think the other method, and, and there may be an accountant that jumps in here, is to have a valuation done of the property at the time that you turn it into a rental. Um, and then if you can, you know, if the growth over that period um, becomes accessible income. But bearing in mind at 63, because you're under... Um, 67 years of age, if there is a capital gain, you could potentially put that money into super and claim it as a tax deduction, and that would pretty much wipe out the, the capital gain that goes with it. Uh, you guys are bloody brilliant. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Well, not me. It's what, it's what good financial advice is all about, Phil. <laughs> next, the, next the man. <laughs> Bike Boy Joe's texted in saying, how much cash is there in Australia? <laughs> Um, there good is a, there's question. Probably, there's probably an estimate of it, actually, isn't there? Well, there was, and fascinatingly, Phil, um, it turned out that it was quite funny. I think there was a Senate inquiry about the cash, and um, it turned mm. out there's an abnormal amount of um, hundred dollar and fifty dollar notes out there in the system, right? There's way more under way the more. bed. Under the <laughs> right. bed, right. and uh, and I could see this, this these government people saying, "Oh, you know, it's the, the drug dealers and the mm. organised crime." I'm like, you got to be joking, mate! It's the pensioners. Um, <laughs> they they know um, how the system works. So anyway, I think the Indians fixed it once many years ago by changing the colour of the notes. And um, well, and yeah, well, they, they actually declared. They said, "Look, in three months' time, yeah, uh, the one hundred dollar bills, the yep. current one, will 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 be cancelled." Yep. So you better res- return them now. <laughs> and you have to put it through a bank account. You so. did, yes. <laughs> yeah. Flushed a few anyway, out. Let's hope no one in Treasury is listening to us. No. All right, we've got some calls. Mark from Kingsford. Hello, Mark. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. How are you? Very well. Good. Thanks. Uh, question. Um, I've heard I've heard uh, different stories. I've heard different people, and I've never really sought any advice. But we planned. I'm a self-funded retiree. I'm I'm 64, and my wife's still working three days a week, mm-hmm. and plans to retire in let's say three months. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so we we plan to um, hit the road for about 12 months and travel, do a lap around Australia. Yep. Maybe yep. even a bit longer. Not sure. And we're going to rent our house out, which we own. Mm-hmm. And we built. We've been living here for about five years. Um, so the idea of renting the house out is going to supplement, you know, paying for our yeah, as we go trip. around for, yep. for everything. Mm-hmm. So, so I've I've heard of different people that um, you could end up paying some capital gain if and when you whenever you want to sell your your dwelling, your house. So if it is remains your prim- primary dwelling for. Um for that period that you're away, and if you're going to sell it within a year or so, then you, no, you're probably not. It, assuming you don't buy another dwelling, that it becomes your primary no. dwelling. Okay, so I you know. should be okay. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, now this but, is our um, forever house. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. And uh, Mark, is your, your your good lady younger or older, about the same age as you? Uh, younger. Little okay. bit younger. Yep. yep. Fine. So so you yep. might do that for a year or so, and depending on how much. Um, 
you've got in super at the time. Bear in mind that um, at 67 years of age, you'll both need to look at the um, uh, either the full or a part age pension. Um, and I make yeah. that point because over and above the family home, even even now, you can have as a couple $935,000 in assets over and above yep. the value of the family home and you, and you qualify for a part pension. Oh, so, okay. Oh, mm. okay. Oh, yep. Well, that's, that's pretty much what I needed to hear. Thank you yeah, very there much. There you yeah. go. Thanks, Mark. Good luck on the trip, Mark. You're going clockwise yeah. or anti-clockwise, man? Uh, well, well it, that's another story. The caravan's been on order. By the time we get it, it's going to be two years in the making. So, oh, I was going to uh, say, by the time you get the caravan, yes. you'll be actually <laughs> Well, you change direction halfway and then you wear the other tyre out. Get a second-hand one, Mark. I mean, there's heaps on the market now because everyone's got sick of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing you. Yeah. See you, so, mate. So it's Australian-made, so we're going yeah. to stick with it. And, Good uh, on you. No, we're, we're heading north first and then... Can't wait to get the WA to the trip. Ah, there so. you go. See, that'll yeah. be the reason you extend the trip, Mark. Let me tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, good one, Mark. See you, mate. Um, Thank enjoyed. you. There'll be lots of people who are pretty jealous of you, I imagine. Yes. Uh, Lucy on the Central Coast. Hi, Luce. Hi, hi, Nick. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question in principle. I've just retired. Mm. I'm 65, um, and we have an investment property that we owe 150000 It's just a small house in Sydney, but it's worth yep. a, a reasonable amount. Um, and I'm just debating whether I should be paying that down out of my super or do I just let it go even though I'm not working yeah. anymore? Um, Lucy, this is a, a really common situation. So presumably you've retired, so you've got no other income coming in other than perhaps no. drawing down in your super and bits and pieces. Is, is that a yeah. fair assessment, I think, than the rent? That's true, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the benefits of, of gearing and where we borrow money um, are lost when we lose that, that high income and particularly, you know, the, the deductibility of interest because really what's happening now is that part of the, the rental money that you're receiving is being paid to the bank as dead money because there's no, no real tax deductions associated or no tax benefits associated with that debt being there. The other thing is that interest rates are, are heading up, as I'm sure you've heard a million times, and uh, where they, they cap out, no one really knows. Um, at the moment, I think the, the average investment mortgage is about 6.11%. If the NAB's right, then that'll be getting towards 7% um, you know, by the end of the year. If that's the case, then you weigh up the returns on the super versus the, re- the cost of the money. And if you weigh up the risk versus the return, the, the, the guaranteed payment of 7% or so on your, on your investment money as a loan um, can't be matched by a guaranteed return of 7% on the super. So on those circumstances, we generally say get rid of the debt. And look, it's a pretty simple principle that when people get into retirement, a lot of those tax-based strategies just fall away um, and away you go. So if, if you're renting um, like a lot of people are at the moment and getting a pretty good rent, rental return, um, you'd probably find that that's the cash flow that you need and, um, and you don't have to service the debt anymore. So uh, it's more money in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, thank you so much for your help. Thanks, Lucy. No Bye-bye. Uh, where's all the cash? Was just texted saying, Phil, my dad had a false PowerPoint with a hidey hole behind it in his bedroom and he had $12,000 cash in there. <laughs> I tell you what, he wouldn't be alone. No. He wouldn't be alone. No. Well, there's, there's a story one of my colleagues tells me went to, to visit someone and a similar question came up and uh, 
the gentleman opened the safe and he said, Nick was like we'd won the World Cup. There was green and gold everywhere. <laughs> green and gold everywhere. That's right. I know. Yeah. One of the things, you make a big mistake if you think that cash is not king still out there. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, Day, uh, sorry, D from, Bri- from Brighton or Brighton. Hi, D. <laughs> Hi, thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, I keep just a small amount in the bank. I'm a pensioner. Mm, I keep yep. a small amount in the bank. I withdraw it to keep it down. Um, but they call me in every once a year, early in the year. And the last clue I got from the Social Security, uh, she said, it's not the money in your bank. She said, it's just super. That's the problem. Well, it's mm. over 260000 now. And I was thinking about withdrawing some money out of it. What do you think? Well, you can, but, I mean, you know, unless you're going to spend it, Dee, um, what you're doing is sort of hiding the money from Centrelink and, and cash is an accessible asset that needs to be declared. So, uh, uh, like I say, unless you're going to fix the house up or perhaps buy a car or, or prepay funerals or give some money away to your kids. Well, uh, just, I, I was going to say I was going to paint the house. and I There need you go, it. perfect. Perfect. Well, that's a, that's a perfect application of money taken out of super or anywhere. Um, if you move it towards, uh, like, renovating or fixing up your house, then effectively what you're doing is you're moving it from an area where it's assessed by Centrelink to an area that's exempt by Centrelink. And, in fact, that's one of the reasons we sometimes say to people, look, if you sold your family home, took some money out of super and bought yourself a new butte place uh, with a view, um, you end up better off because uh, you'll pick up a, a bigger pension and uh, you'll have an asset that's, uh, that's there for your future. So absolutely you can do that. Um, the, so the effective cutoff for being affected by the income test, is, are you single or a, a couple? Single. Right, so it's $280,000 under the asset test. Uh-huh. The only thing I'd get you to check is that some people, when they go in and give values to Centrelink, put the insured value in. So you might uh, you might have your house contents insured for, say, eighty or $90,000 and the car right. insured for 60000 It's really important that you use the trade-in and the scrap values for contents. So we generally uh, give Centrelink a value of $10,000 on contents because if you, you called in a uh, um, second-hand dealer, that's the most you'd probably get for all the stuff in your house. That's um, true. Yeah, and so make sure you've got realistic... I call it scrap values, or, or you know the, the the real sale values of these things. So yeah, c- contents ten grand, and the car you can use the trade in value um, from various websites out there. So you know you might have spent ninety thousand dollars on your brand new car, um, but if you took it back to the dealer, you'd probably get sixty or seventy for it. Uh, and then once that happens, every year it depreciates. So that's another thing that we encourage people to do is if you've got those assets with Centrelink and it's affecting your pension, make sure you depreciate them every. Every year, and if you've got a good financial advisor, Dean, they'll be doing that for you as part of the uh, service. <laughs> super, uh, no, no higher than two hundred and eighty thousand. Well, no, it's not super. It's all of your assets. As a single oh, homeowner, you can have two, yeah, two hundred eighty thousand. Once you go over that two hundred eighty thousand figure, every thousand dollars you have reduces your pension by three dollars a fortnight. And mm. as bizarre as it seems, let's say you had. Two hundred and ninety thousand, and you got rid of ten thousand. Um, you'd be getting an extra thirty dollars a fortnight for getting rid of that ten thousand. You might prepay a funeral or give it to your kids or something like that. Um, it, bizarre, but thirty dollars works out to be seven hundred eighty dollars a year. It's like earning a seven point eight percent return on your money by spending it. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Australia, D. <laughs> Thanks, T. Uh, Nick Bruning's with us. Uh, thank you for the text. Um, text, Jake the Truck, he says, I bought a house in the eastern suburbs of Perth for 440 k three years ago. Mm. I'm thinking of selling it. Do you think that's a good idea, Nick? 
Yeah, Perth has been a bit of a uh, a bit of a maverick in the scheme of property prices, and we sort of sit over here and watch. Sadly, um, property mm. values decline quite steeply on the east coast, and uh, Perth's been somewhat exempt. Now, a lot of that's been attributed to a pickup in the mining sector with people coming into the state. But I guess that um, you know, while the, the real estate optimists will say it's going to keep going up. Um, I'm in the, the camp of reality where you look at interest rates and, and the actual cost of funding the mortgages and we've got people here in WA that are in exactly the same predicament where they've signed up for a fixed rate mortgage at 2%. That's going to mature this year and they're suddenly looking at repayments of an extra you know, $15,000, $16,000 a year. Hmm. And, um, and that's, you know, in my view, that's going to be triggering a, somewhat of a correction. Now, one of the big banks has actually tipped that Perth house prices are going to tumble this year. Um, uh, who knows? But um, that's certainly in contradiction to what the real estate sector is saying over here. But uh, look, I think if you've made money in these things and you and you look realistically at what sort of returns you're likely to get elsewhere, uh, now might be the time to look at cashing in on your profits and yeah. um, doing something else. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks, Nick. Beck from Tulay. G'day, Beck. Oh, yeah, it's from 2J. Um, Sorry, Beck. So, <laughs> right, I've got a question about... Um, the surcharge on your visa card. I just realised recently that I'm paying my house insurance on my visa card as a direct debit. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting charged 1.5% surcharge. Ooh, so if cheeky. I flip it over to get it direct debited from my bank account, I don't mm-hmm. pay that. But right. So that's easy. Mm-hmm. But then why don't you get charged a 1.5% surcharge when you're using your visa card at the grocery store? Who decides who charges 1.5% or not? Yeah, good question. Yeah, well, the, generally the, the merchant does. and um, Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so if they've decided to charge you 1.5%, it's kind of you do what you've just that done. Money to to that money goes oh, to them. That money goes to them, doesn't it? It yeah, goes well, no, to the merchant, not the, not the bank. No, yeah. and, and they'll argue it's to cover the cost of running the credit card service, but it, it's, it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm with – and you'll find that um, airlines do it too. Uh, you know, if you go and you get the cheap price and then you discover you pay by credit card, it's going to cost you this much. Well, last time yeah. I bought one, a ticket, that's what happened. It's quite, it um, is quite frankly, isn't it, Nick? It's just it's, yeah. it's a highway robbery. It's just, I yeah, mean, they, right. they're just deciding to charge you extra, that's all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I recall many years ago the RBA kind of put a big no-no against that stuff. The rules yeah. must have changed, I guess, to allow them to do it. But I remember a while ago it was a case of not being able to, to add that. But look, you know, reality, it should be cost recovery. You can't tell me that a huge insurance car, uh, company isn't paying the very lowest merchant fees to their bank. Um, exactly, you know, yeah. one, 1.5% is what, you know, the, the local deli might pay for the very few transactions they do in a year. I would, uh, yeah, just mm. I would challenge them, Beck. Say, look, you know. Take give it yeah. back. Yeah. Or yes. I'll change my insurer. <laughs> I just yep. pay, but if I just pay it out of my bank account, direct yeah. debit, yeah. I don't yeah. get charged that, do I? No. No. It's no, no. Same transaction. I'd be it's saying to the insurer, I'd be saying to the insurer, you know, drop that charger, I'm shifting it, I'll shift my business elsewhere. Yeah. Mm. Mind you, they're very, I won't say who it is, but they're a very good insurer. <laughs> <laughs> I have to well, make a claim. Oh, well. Oh, well. Comes yeah, and goes, Beck. Comes and goes. Be comes and goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I would never swap them. Mm, all right, <laughs> thank you. Uh, no, you're right. It's uh, you're right. Mm. Nick. It's uh, it's highway robbery. Just before we go on with some more calls, further budget rumblings about super. There's a push to make super 
paid to be paid monthly. Yeah, I, I, people might not realise this, but um, when it comes to the compulsory super, and in fact money that you salary sacrifice into super, the obligation on the employer is to make the payment to the super fund um, 28 days after the quarter that we're talking about. So in effect, if you're in the in this quarter and you're salary sacrificing to super, all the bosses compulsory 10.5%, it doesn't, doesn't actually have to hit the super fund until the 28th of April, um, which means that if you've got, you know, the market's rocketing ahead and you've got money coming out of your super, uh, out of your pay big time to go into super, um, it's actually effectively sitting in the boss's bank account. So there's a push on by um, the trade union movement to, uh, to look at making that uh, paid when they do their single touch payroll system, which for most employers would be fortnightly or monthly or whatever. So that would be an improvement there. Um, yeah. And, and then, of course, there's some rumblings about um, capping the amount of money you can have in super at $5 million, um, which probably won't affect too many people that I know. But nonetheless, it's something that's being spoken about. Um, and um, yeah, at, but, you know, I think superannuation is the space to watch in the upcoming budget, which is due on that first Tuesday in May, um, because it's a $3.4 trillion honeypot, Phil. Mm. And, um, you know, the tax concessions, relatively speaking, are pretty generous. So, uh, mm. yeah, I'm okay. hoping, hoping they'll leave it alone, but uh, I wonder. Sienna in Newcastle has texted saying, can you kindly ask, Nick, I've got a mortgage of 250000 mm. I have a million in my super. Is yep. it good to get some money out from super and pay off the mortgage? I'm over 65. Yeah, I, I probably would seriously think about that. There's no no tax at all involved in taking money out at 65 years of age or anyone mm. over 60. You can just take um, it out tax-free. Yeah, yep. and then you've got, you know, you don't have the, the dead money going to the um, to the bank. And as I was saying to our other caller, um, those rates just look like uh, continuing to go up. So you compare what you're guaranteed to pay on a mortgage versus what you'll receive on your super and if it gets to that sort of 7% figure, then uh, you're way ahead by paying off your mortgage. Yep. Do it. Uh, where are we? Michael's in Hobart. G'day, Michael. Hi, Michael. G'day, uh, Nick and Phil. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm 71 year old. Um, had a self managed super fund uh, for seven years. Um, when I was 65, I converted into a pension phase. Um, in November 20, 2020, um, I had to change bank accounts, my super fund bank accounts, because the bank closed the account I was using. Mm. And my super fund advisor uh, recommended a, another bank a bank account, mm. which I duly opened and um, got all the forms to close one account and open the other. In May last year, Centrelink um, informed me that I owed a debt of 7600 they don't explain where that money came, that debt came from hmm. the last several times. And I get paid $4.70 a fortnight at the present time. Right. Um, I took those forms again in, explain yeah. what had happened with the bank account changing. I got, um, I only get a pension of under $200 a fortnight. Yeah, yep. They then came up to tell me that I owed all this tax, like $5,000, on top of the 7600 that I supposedly owned. Mm. And they still haven't proved why I owe that money. Um, I took in a certificate from the Commissioner of Taxation to say I owe zero tax because yeah. I, I don't pay tax. Um, I don't work. I'm retired. I'm a full-time carer for my wife. Yeah. And they and I had to do a stat deck and an appeal. I got my pension back for one week and one fortnight. Yeah. And then they came back to me again and said, now I own a house within my super fund. 
um, which I don't. Um, I own my okay. own. Okay. Yeah. Um, so and, it sounds it so sounds like a real mess. It sounds like a bit of a mess, Michael. Which it, you need. It, We're it, not going to be able to sort out here. I don't no. Think, look, the only yeah. thing I can recommend, Michael, is um, and look, I, I have no idea who your advisor is, but it 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 it, it troubles me that they're perhaps not providing advice on the Centrelink side of things. You you might do well seeking out an advisor that is very familiar with the Centrelink system, so that can they can work with it. And you know, the association. I'll give it a plug, Phil. That CIFA, which is the Certified Independent Financial Advisors Association. Which which I'm a member, cifaa.asn.au. Um, there are members in all states and there are certainly no centering, a lot of them backwards, a bit like hopefully myself. Um, so perhaps have a have a chat with another advisor. It might cost you, you know, a couple hundred bucks to sit down with them for, for an hour or so and sort things out um, or at least to get to know what to do. Um, but it does sound like a bit of a mess and certainly something you need to get some help sorting it out. Mm. I, I think you'll be trouble, a challenge trying to do it yourself. Yes, I think that's probably right. Thanks. Good luck, mm. Michael. Anyway, thank you for the question. Uh, Lee says, how can your regular nightlife segment on economics be so entertaining? <laughs> well, <that works>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should hear my other yeah. jokes. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, Ashley in Perth. Hello, Ash. Hello, how are you? Very well, thanks. Good. Um, Nick, I've got a question. I'm 52 mm. and I want to retire at 60. I've yep. got a fairly healthy super balance, but a mortgage as well, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. my income. Do yep. I start smashing away salary sacrifice or into the mortgage? Um, if, you, if you could do both, that would lo- be lovely, Ashley, um, because yeah, there are restrictions. <laughs> right. So, look, I would I would smash the mortgage. Um, look, you, used to, you can get to a stage in life and you'll be retired at that point where you can do a thing called transition to retirement. And we don't have time to go into the nitty-gritty details. But for those yeah. where that's available, then we often use transition to retirement to accelerate mortgage repayments uh, with a view yeah. of getting rid of it as quickly as possible. So if you're in a position to, to smash your mortgage, I'd certainly be doing that for, for exactly the same reason I've been saying to everyone else. Those interest rates are going up. Um, if it's yeah. a non-tax deductible debt, then it's dead money that's going to the bank profits, and I'd rather it be in your pocket than theirs. So stop the salary sacrifice. Well, uh, yeah, if you've got more than enough in super <laughs> and it sounds like at a million bucks, uh, you, you're pretty comfortable there. Um, well, then not I'd certainly. There, but anyway. Oh, well, I think that was yeah, okay. Caller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's all these people with millions of bucks floating around, Ash. Right? <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right. so, uh, yeah, but I'd look at that. Yeah. Thanks, Ashley. Bye bye. All right, Nick. Well, with rising interest rates, I mean, I suppose just generally with mortgages too, uh, mm. you should be asking questions of your bank and looking around. Yeah, look, definitely um, have a chat with mortgage brokers, um, only because people are having to refinance, particularly those on a fixed mortgage. And look, if, yeah. because property prices have fallen a bit, you just got to be careful about paying more than you need to with law, mortgage lenders, insurance stuff and all these sorts mm. of things. But but now's the time to do the homework. If you're maturing in the next six months or so, have a chat with the mortgage broker and see what sort of options, see what, what things you need to do. On offer. Yep. All right, Nick, always great. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Nick Bruning has been our independent financial advisor with us this evening. Thank you for the texts and calls. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.